Hear the word of the Lord from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Justin, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. It's my pleasure to be with you this morning. Uh, Before I jump into the sermon, I do want to take a minute just to thank all of our amazing volunteers that helped us out last week. It was a huge weekend for us as a church, and we could not have done it without so many of you faithful people giving your time and talent uh, to serve us. Friday night, the readers, the musicians, the decorations, everything just set the tone. For the first time ever in our church, we had to have two Friday night uh, gatherings, and they were both full. It was awesome. Over 300 people joined us on uh, Good Friday. It was just a worshipful night. That could not have happened without um, all of the volunteers. I mean, literally weeks go into that, uh, working on that and getting it just right. And so it was outstanding. Thank you guys for everybody that served there. And then on Resurrection Sunday, what a turnaround, right? The darkness of Good Friday and then just the, the, the brightness and the beauty of Resurrection Sunday. It was a great day. We had almost 500 people worship with us here in Davenport, another over 100 more over in Moline. Um, that means more people heard the gospel in our church last Sunday than any other church, any other Sunday in the history of our church. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. And when you factor in, like, so even after nine years, a global pandemic, right, and being in the 14th least church city in the United States, God is still working in our church and adding to our numbers daily. And that's something to be excited about. Many times you plant a church and it grows fast and then it levels off and then it dies. Our church is just kind of incubated and just kind of slow growth year after year. Actually, it looks like this. It goes eight years, 2020, and then it come back up here to 20, right? That's what it looked like. But we're thankful that it actually popped back up. Thank God. And one of the most exciting uh, numbers uh, for me last week was to to get the, the message that said, we had 162 children with us last week. <laughs> uh, oh, that's like one third of our church is under the age of 16. We've got to be the youngest church in the Quad Cities. So, for those who served in our kids' ministry last week, double thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it was a great weekend for us. Hopefully, the people that you brought heard the gospel, and we think God's, gonna, God's doing good work. And so it's really good to see you this morning. Be back. Uh, let me pray. Let's jump into it, all right? Let's go. Father God, we thank you for the way that you move before us and you work before us, that you existed before us, that all of reality testifies to your existence, your pre-existence. We thank you for even in this gathering, you have gone before us, that you've given us your word, You've given us your spirit, 
that we are here because you have a plan for our life and you got us here this morning so that you could speak a specific word to us. So I pray that you would help me this morning. You would think through my mind and speak to my vocal cords that it'd be all of you and none of me and that, Father, something special would happen this morning, something supernatural even, that your people would hear your voice through mine. Would you do this for your glory and our good? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> well, we are now four weeks into studying the fundamentals of our church. Each week we are looking at something that makes us at Sacred City unique. If you've been around here for very long, you have most likely heard us talk about our identities and our rhythms. Now, our identity is who we are. Our rhythms are what we do, right? Now, it's incredibly important for us to draw a distinction between these two aspects of our lives because in Christianity, identity or who we are comes before behavior or rhythms or what we do. Another way to say that is we don't define ourselves by what we do. Rather, we define ourselves by what God has done for us. So who he's made us to be. That God in Christ has reconciled the world to himself and he's redeeming a people for himself. And he's done this. And so what, how do we say this around? And we say it like this. The church is God's people, it's who we are, saved by God's power, what he's done in Jesus Christ, for God's purposes, that we are created in Christ Jesus for works, for good works that he's prepared beforehand for us. He's written our names into his story and he has a, a character and a plot line that he wants us to play. He wants us to accomplish something within his story. Now I draw all your attention to this this morning because of how easy it is for us to, to flip that upside down and to slip into the mode where you define yourself by what you do and not who you are. As Americans, it looks like this. We go up, we meet somebody new, we want to know this person, and what do we say? What do you do? And they say, I am a doctor. I am a stay-at-home mom. I am a manager. I am, right, identity. We're saying, we're asking, what do you do? And we answer with identity language. We think that if in or we have to work and achieve in order to become or receive a certain identity. Now listen, that works in a lot of areas of life, but it doesn't, like nobody's born a doctor, right? You gotta earn that, thank God, right? right no, you gotta earn that identity, right? But that's not the way Christianity works. A Christian is an identity before a behavior. Now we always get this, we often get this confused. I ask somebody, as I'm talking with them, are you a Christian? And they'll say something like this. Well, I'm trying. Now, if someone asks me, are you a son? I never say, oh, sure, I'm trying. <laughs> now, you could say, are you a good son? Well, I'm trying, right? There's a difference between being a good son, right? That requires a little bit of effort. But just being a son, that's an identity that's received by my parents, right? From my parents, 
The same goes for being a Christian. It's an identity that's received from God when we are, in the words of Jesus, born again. So when we put our faith in Christ, we are spiritually born again from God and we receive a new identity in him. It's who we are. Now, you can be, I'm sorry, you can be a bad Christian or a good one, right? Like you can be, but the question is, am I a Christian? You can't say I'm trying. You either are or you are not, right? Yoda, right? There is no try, right? That's it. So now the Bible speaks of this reality in a lot of different ways. It says that we're born again from above. So God has caused us to be born into his family and we get the identity of family. We talked about that last week, if you were with us. But as you read the scriptures, you come to realize that God has made us more than just family. He has made us a family of missionary servants who are learning to live all of life to the glory of God. Now in that little phrase, We hear all four identities that we talk about here at Sacred City. All of them have been given to us by God through the work of Jesus. We are family. We are missionaries. We are servants. We are learners. Learners is another way of talking about a disciple, a person who's constantly learning how to live this life to the glory of God. None of us have arrived. Now, each week we're taking a look at one of those identities, families last week, and yep, this week we're talking about our identity as missionaries. Now, when I say the word missionary, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you think of missionaries? Do you think of people that travel across, you know, overseas and they live their life pouring out themselves for the sake of the gospel, maybe translating the scriptures? You think of people like Hudson Taylor and Adonai Judson and and so on, and St. Patrick and so on and so forth, or there's Countless, who knows how many thousands of men and women who are doing that overseas missions work even right now. All of that is good. We thank God for them. They're a key piece to the discipleship of the nation that Jesus has called his church to. Well, when you hear the word missionary, do you think of something that you did maybe as a teenager? All right, I used to be a youth pastor. One of my favorite things to do was get these kids together and take them on a short-term missions trip. We went to Costa Rica. We went to inner city Los Angeles. We went all over the place taking these kids, you know, five days of living like a missionary and then two days like at a resort. <laughs> We're there for Jesus, but that volcano is really nice, right? Uh, or maybe when you think of missionary, you think of those people with the white short sleeve shirts and the ties riding their bikes from house to house in our city, Right? So no matter what image comes to mind when you think of the term missionary, I could probably be safe to say the one thing that doesn't come to mind is yourself. Most people, when they think of missionary, they think of somebody else. Somebody that's like Christianity A-team, like, you know, varsity. But that's not me. It's not who I am. Well, Charles Spurgeon... 19th century Baptist preacher, preached uh, English preacher. He said this, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Now, what did he, what did he mean by that? That smack might probably right there smacks us in the face. Am I an imposter? Doesn't really make much sense to us, does it? Well, what do we mean 
when we say that we've been given the identity of missionaries. Okay? And I'm going to say this. If you are a Christian, you are a missionary. That is, your, that is one of the identities given to you. Now, you might be a bad one. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not, it's not okay. We want to improve that. But the question is not, am I a missionary or am I not? That question is, I'll, hopefully I can settle it for us today. Yes, you are. You are a missionary. The simplest definition of a missionary is a person who's been sent on a mission, right? Now, did you know Jesus himself was a missionary? He said several times in the gospels that he was sent from the father to accomplish a very specific mission. That mission was to save us from our sins, adopt us into his family and establish the eternal kingdom of God. That he's even at the right hand of the father working on that mission right now, making all things new, getting it to its desired end. But here's what's unique about this. God is like a spiritual tornado. He sucks us in and he spits us back out into the world. So he adopts us into the family and then he changes us in such a way that we want, that he, and he sends us back into the world that we want other people to come and know this gracious father that we found. This gracious father that has brought us in when we didn't deserve it. Now I want us to look at our scripture this morning. We chose uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through tw um, 21 as our text. So if you've got your Bibles, please open it with me. It will be on the screens. And uh, we're going to look at another way the Apostle Paul talks about this. Look at verse 17. <clears throat> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, boom. This is amazing news. I mentioned it briefly last week talking about resurrection. Most people don't know that resurrection is different from resuscitation. That Jesus didn't just die and then come back to life again to die again in the future. No, no. When he came back to life, he was new creation. What does that mean? I don't understand it 100%, I'll tell you, but it means his flesh and blood reality was something unique and something different, and now he was living in the flesh, and yet his, heartbeat was, his heart was never going to run out again. It was never going to get tired again. He was something different. He was the first fruits of the new heavens and the new earth. So whatever we're going to be like in the new heavens and the new earth with real physical bodies, but they're never going to wear out. They're never going to die. They're never going to get sick. That's what Jesus was. Okay. So he was the first of the new creation. And here's what Paul's saying. Anyone in Christ. So anyone who's put their faith in Christ, they've died with Christ and they've been resurrected with Christ is a new creation. That means something totally unique. That doesn't mean like you, like you get a new start, right? People will say, God gives you, you know, new starts or second chances. Second chances? Lord have mercy. I need like 7 million chances, All right? No, no, you're a new creation. You're something different when, you, when you're in Christ, okay? Let's keep reading. The old has passed away. So we sang the song today. 
I'm changed, I'm changed, I'm changed. This is what he's talking about. Our old life was passed away, was crucified with Christ. Behold, the new has come. And look at this. All this is what? From God. So this isn't something we've done. You can't make yourself, you can make your kitchen new. You can't make yourself new. You can't remodel yourself in this way. There's nothing you can do that can bring about regeneration is the big word or making us into new, new, create, new creations in Christ. This is all God's work. God does the work from beginning to end. You're not involved in it. Keep reading. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Okay, now there's some things that we have to understand. Immediately, if you're not a Christian here and you're just hearing this for the first time, God reconciled us to himself. I didn't know we had a problem. Well, that is the first thing we teach you here at Sacred City is there is a problem between us and God that we are born into this world sinners. What does that mean? We're born selfish. We're born self-centered. We're born wanting our way and not God's way, right? That's how we're born into this world. And so guess what we need? We need somebody from outside of us to come save us, to come change us, to come heal us. And here's the story of the gospel. God did that work through his son, Jesus, and he did it in a very unique way. Look at verse 21. For our sake, he, I'm going to replace the words here. God made Jesus, he made him, God made Jesus, look, to be sin, who, know, who knew no sin. So that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Here is the beauty of the gospel. The gospel isn't you make yourself better and then God adopts you and God likes you and God brings you into his family. The reality of the gospel is there is nothing I can do to ever earn my way back into God's favor because I'm a sinner. And guess what? Even my good deeds are infected with bad motives sometimes. You can do, a good, you can do something good and do it with a proud heart. Do it with a self-centered motive. My best deeds are shot through with my own sin. So anytime I would try to earn my way to God or try to please God through my actions, guess what? I'm just going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. So what did I need? I needed somebody from outside of myself, namely the son of God, Jesus, the sinless one, the perfect son of God who knew no sin. Here's what the word, here's what the word says right here. To become sin, to be made sin. So my sinful nature, right? I am not, I don't just sin. I am a sinner. I'm born with a sinful nature, a sinful identity. I needed that sinful identity to be put on Jesus, the one who never sinned. And then God crucified my sinful nature in Jesus on the cross. And here's what's amazing. The perfect sinless nature namely the righteousness of Christ on the cross and in the resurrection is that counted to me where we, and I'm using me, but it's all of us if you're in Christ, we become the righteousness of God because Jesus puts it on us. We didn't do any of that. Jesus did it all. 
The only thing I contribute to my salvation was the sin that made it necessary. That's it. Here's how this deal works. Jesus, I bring you my sin and Jesus brings me his righteousness. That's how this gift works. That's how this thing works in Christianity. All right? And he says, when you believe that, you put, you become, you're in Christ, boom, your identity changes. You're a new creation. It's been given to you by God. But I want you to look at verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. But look at this next part. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he reconciled us and then at the same time gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Well, what does that mean? Let's keep reading. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How can he not count their trespasses against them? Because he took them on himself and paid the price for them on the cross. Keep going. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, we've been reconciled through Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. What are those two things? That's the message of the gospel, that God is at work in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Keep reading. So what does Paul do? He says this, therefore we are, listen, you hear the identity language? He doesn't say therefore we do. No, no, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, ambassadors. Now an ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Paul's saying we are God's ambassadors. I'm gonna use the word, we are God's missionaries. We've been reconciled to tell of the message of reconciliation and he goes on a little bit farther, look. We are ambassadors for God. I love this. God making his appeal through us. He's saying we are instruments. We are the loudspeakers that God is speaking through. God is using us to declare the message of reconciliation. So therefore we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Listen, God did more than just bring them in, forgive them, and make them family. He also gave them a mission and sent them out to make known the message of reconciliation, that you and God are not okay, but God has done everything necessary for, that, for reconciliation to happen. Be reconciled to God. Believe in Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. When you become a Christian, you become a missionary. Now, there's levels to this thing, right? God might not be calling you to overseas mission. God might not be calling you to pastoral ministry or apostleship like he did Paul. But if you are a Christian, you are a sent one, sent on a mission to make God known wherever you go. 
That really shouldn't surprise us. If you're familiar with the teachings of Jesus, think about this. When Jesus approached his uh, future apostles, Simon and Andrew, what did he say to them? He said, come follow me. Didn't stop there. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you hear the identity transformation here? Come follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. What's a fisher of men? It's a missionary. If you follow me, Jesus says, I will change your identity. I will change who you are. I will make you into a missionary. He goes on in John chapter 20, 19 through 21. He says to his apostles, as the father has sent me, even so now I'm sending you. Think about that. See, the, we've talked about this before. The Father sends the Son as a missionary. The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. The whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit send the church on the day of Pentecost. If you're a Christian, you have been sent by God. Now, the first thing we should ask when this, whoa, when this kind of drops and we're like, okay, I'm a missionary. Obviously, the first thing that's probably going to happen is maybe a little guilt, <laughs> maybe a little, oh, didn't know who I was. Haven't been really living that out very well, right? And there's grace for that. And God forgives us for that. And that's why we confess our sins together. And God calls us in and he says, but now, now the next question should be, okay, what is that going to look like? Immediately, it might conjure up those old images of, I got to go to another country or I got to make a big sign and go stand on the corner of Brady. Get hands sweaty. What does this mean? I have to be a missionary. Well, let's look at Jesus. Jesus was the best missionary ever. How did Jesus live his life as a missionary? Well, if you read the scriptures, you realize first thing he did, interestingly enough, was he fit himself into a specific culture. Jesus did not come like we expect aliens to come to this earth, right? Coming and they all have their own technology and they all got their own outfits and they've all got their own look. Whoa, that's obviously somebody from another planet. It's not how Jesus came. Jesus came looking like everybody else. I know this isn't, theologically accurate, the way to speak of it. But if you approach Jesus on the street, you wouldn't be able to tell he was a Christian. He didn't have his like face on a t-shirt. <laughs> he wasn't passing out tracks. He wasn't standing on the corner, just declaring things. He fit himself into the culture. Now here it is. He fit himself into the culture, but he was also countercultural in many ways. So he fit himself into the culture. Anything that was like not sinful, Jesus fits himself into the culture. But if something is sinful, he says, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to be self-centered. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to isolate myself into silos. I'm going to break down walls. I'm not going to do those things. Jesus used the same language. He frequented the same establishments. He 
drank the same things, including alcohol. Jesus was labeled a glutton and a drunkard. You don't get labeled that if you didn't drink alcohol publicly in front of people. My point here is that the majority of Jesus's life was spent doing normal things with what we call gospel intentionality. That means he was living in his father's world in a normal way, trying to draw other people's attention up to God and the graciousness of God. He would, every time he met with somebody, he's trying to draw their attention up to God. Jesus was known for spending a lot of time with what the Bible calls notorious sinners. People that no one else wants. Anybody with any you know, self-respect or any uh, reputation didn't want to have anything to do with those tax collectors over there or the, the prostitutes over there or that type of person. And yet Jesus was not affected by that in his culture. He resisted that and he ate with them and fellowshiped with them to teach them what his gracious father was like. Now, I read a statistic recently from the Gordon-Conwell Center for the Study of Global Christianity, and it said this, one out of five non-Christians in North America don't even know one Christian. 20% of people who don't, aren't Christians don't even know another Christian. Now that's really troubling because if you know this, most people, they don't come to faith through a dream. Most people don't come to faith through finding something online. They don't come to faith from reading a book. They don't just, most of the time, don't just say, you know what, that big, huge, giant book I see some people read, I'm gonna go read that thing. And they just get down in here and read it. No, no, the the majority of people that come to faith come to faith through a relationship with another Christian. A normal Christian living their Christian life invites them to church, invites them to missional community, shares the gospel with them, and that's how most people come to faith. But one in five in our country don't even have a person like that in their life. Now listen, that for me, that breaks my heart and that just reminds us we have got a lot of work to do in our city. And I pray that God would do a, a revival in our city and I want everyone in our city to come to know Christ. But that's an outlandish goal in one sense and it's literally gonna require God just showing up and showing out to make that happen. But so let me just make a, maybe a goal that's a little more modest. I want every single person in the Quad Cities to at least know another Christian, to at least have them in their relational orbit. So when life gets difficult, when they have questions, they at least have a Christian they can go to and say, tell me about your story or what's going on. They at least have that option in their life. Now listen, that's only going to happen if God's people know who they are. You are a missionary sent by God to introduce people to a God who's already done all the work to reconcile the problems between us and him. Now, I know many people, when I say this, 
immediately, I don't have time for that. I, that sounds exhausting. I don't know how to do that. Once you understand who you are, you just go and do the stuff you're already doing, okay? You just say, how would a missionary do that thing that I already do? It's not about adding stuff to your life. It's about doing what you already do as a missionary. What do I mean by that? All right, I've got, here we go. Quickly, 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 I have eight things I'm gonna tell you about. All right, here we go. <laughs> so that's a big number, but I think I can do it quick. Okay, so here it is. Here it is. I'm living out my identity as a missionary. Number one, eat with non-Christians. We all, most of us eat three meals a day. Why not make a habit of sharing one of those meals with a non-Christian or with a family of people that don't go to church, don't know Christ? Just eat, eat with them. Go to lunch with a coworker, not by yourself. Invite the neighbors over for dinner. If it's too much work to cook a big dinner, just order pizza and put a focus on conversation. Here's what we need to realize as Christians. I am, I am a Christian, right? I am in Christ. Therefore, one step closer to me is one step closer to Jesus or an encounter with Jesus. Discipleship begins at the point of relationship. So I just want to be a good friend to someone. And guess what? They're one step closer to an encounter with Jesus as I live out the implications of the gospel in my own life. It's going to come up eventually, right? When you go out for a meal, invite somebody that doesn't know Christ. One, eat with non-Christians. Two, go for a walk. Make a practice of getting out and walking around your neighborhood, your apartment complex, or your campus. Be deliberate in your walk. Say hello to people you don't know. Strike up conversations. Bring the dog, right? My family does this any night that it's warm out, that it's nice out, we're going for a walk. We've got the dog. We've got all of our kids. We look like a little army marching down through the neighborhood. Right? Make friends. Get out of your house. Take interest in your neighbors. Ask questions. Engage them. Pray as you go. Pray. Get an imagination of what would, our, what would my neighborhood look like if my neighbors came to Christ? What would my neighborhood look like if I had a missional community here because they're all coming to Christ? Third, be a regular. Instead of hopping all over the city for gas and groceries and haircuts and eating out and coffee, go to the same places. Get to know the staff. Go to the same places at the same time. Smile, ask questions, be a regular. Fourth. This one's got a two-pronged two approach. Hobby with non-Christians. So hobby, get a hobby, please. Get a hobby. Everybody needs a hobby. And why did you do that? Like, don't, you know, do that hobby with non-Christians. 
Get out and do something you enjoy with others. Try city league sports. Join a gym or a club. If you're good at your hobby already, share that by giving lessons or coaching others. Be prayerful about it. Be intentional. Be winsome. Have fun. Be yourself. Fifth, <laughs> talk to your coworkers. Now, listen, how hard is that? Really, take breaks with intentionality. Go out with your team or your task force after work. Show interest in your coworkers. Be interested in them. Ask them about their family. Ask them about their, what they're gonna do for the holidays. Ask them about what's going on in their life. Ask them about their hobbies. Be interested in them. Pick a few of these coworkers and begin and write their name down and begin to pray for them that God would save them. In your missional community, bring these names up with your missional community and pray for Sally and Bob and Tom and whoever it is so your missional community can be praying for them. Form mom's groups in your neighborhood and don't make them exclusively Christian. Schedule playdates with the neighbor's kids. Work on mission. Now, here's, if you join a missional community, here's number six. Volunteer with nonprofits. Every single missional community in our church chooses a people in a place, a nonprofit, and at least once a month, we go and we serve there, right? We're wanting to bring some healing. We want to make our city a better place to live. Find a nonprofit, join it. And listen, when you're going there with your missional community, this is something you could do. Invite your neighbor to go with you. Invite your coworker to go with you. A lot of people want to make our city a better place to live. You don't have to be a Christian to want that. So invite them into being on mission to this people in a place with you. It's an opportunity for them to meet you. It's an opportunity for them to meet your missional community. You have no idea what kind of connections God's going to make through that invitation. Six, seventh, seventh. I'm moving quick. Enjoy the city. What? What is what? Go to fundraisers. Go to festivals. Go to cleanups. Go to summer shows. Go to concerts. Be there as a missionary. Strike up a conversation with people. Look and see what's going on in our city. How are people relating? What are people missing? What are people lacking? How could God enter into that conversation, enter into their life there? How could you be a missionary when you're there? Pray for the city. Love the city. Participate in city events. Now, lastly, love your neighbor. Jesus said, right, that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. This is what missionaries do. We my family and I recently moved and it was really difficult for us to move because we had developed a really good relationship with our neighbor and she was 85 years old and we just had, we had a, a good relationship with him. And we, we moved and it was hard for us. And then a couple weeks ago, we were out for dinner and in she walks to the restaurant and we get to you know, strike up a conversation and Amanda asked her, so how are the new neighbors? Not good. <laughs> She's like, 
<laughs> She's like, he won't shovel one inch past his line. And Javid and I, he, Javid knew when we were out there shoveling and we shoveled, we're going to love our neighbor. She's 85 years old. So we're going to, most of the time, we're going to shovel that driveway or a large portion of that driveway for her. Right, we're gonna do these things. When we moved in and she told us that she was there when that house was built and it was nothing but cornfield and it's like in the middle of the city now. And she's like, there, you could see all the way to the creek and there wasn't one fence. She's like, I hate these fences in our neighborhood. And my, my yard, you know, our yard didn't have a fence but I had like two young kids and I was like, I was gonna build a fence. And I was like, all right, we're not gonna build a fence. It means we've gotta watch our kids. The new neighbors, first thing they did, built a fence, right? As a missionary, we want to be a good neighbor. That means help a neighbor by weeding or mowing or building a cabinet or fixing a car or babysitting their kids or getting to know them or going out on dinner with them or having them over for dinner. Now, that's eight ways that we can be missional and all of, none of them require a diploma. None of them require a degree. None of them require advanced understanding of apologetics. If you're like, what are apologetics? Yeah, don't worry about it right now, right? Live as a normal Christian who has been reconciled to God and has the message of reconciliation, even if it's just this. God loves you, and so do I. You wanna to go to church with me? Wanna to come to my missional community with me? What is that? I don't really know how to describe it, but we get together and we eat and it's good. That sounds like a good time. I like to eat. You know how many people have came to faith because of that terrible explanation of the gospel? A lot, a lot. My mom's mashed potatoes have saved a lot of people in this church, okay? I don't know, but she's from the South and she can cook, so just come. All right, we'll do that. It's cool. Right? Now listen, here's the reality. God saves us only through the work of Jesus. We contribute nothing but our sin to that, to that equation of salvation. Right? But when he saves us, he brings us in. We realize what he's done. We come to enjoy him. We realize, oh, we wake up one day and go, oh, I'm a missionary. Whoa. Now, all that means is sharing what you've enjoyed. Sharing, God has saved me from my sins. God has brought me into a new family. God is changing me. God has a mission to renew all of this world that we look at the politics and we look at our culture and we look at the media and everything seems to be going downhill and it probably is, but I know God has a plan to fix all of this and guess what? I'm a part of that plan. We are the hope of our city. And by we, I mean Jesus' church. We are a city set on a hill. We are light in the midst of darkness. Do we still struggle with sin? Do we still have a lot of problems? Do we still have a lot of issues? Yes and amen. But we have the ultimate answer, which is Jesus Christ. And so we need to stop looking to politics and government to fix our problems. And we need to get work in our city fixing our problems. Loving our neighbors. Go right down the list. I could go do the whole thing. That's what it means. God has saved us and sent us as missionaries to our city. We are here to introduce people to our gracious God. 
welcome them into his family. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, first off, we thank you for being the best missionary. In one sense, you came to this earth on a mission and you rescued us. You took us all on your shoulders and you carried us into freedom. You carried us into salvation. You did that all by yourself. And as we come to enjoy that, we come to believe that, we come to trust in that, we come to understand that in greater and greater ways, we will come to see the reality that we also are a missionary sent into the world to tell people about you, to show people how good and gracious and kind you are. Would you help us live out that identity in our cities? As we come to the Lord's table, we come knowing that we will fail. If being a missionary is just something we do, we will fail time and time and time again. We'll never be missional enough. We'll never be good enough or sacrificial enough or good enough neighbors. And so we constantly need the grace of God found in the gospel that says we are in Christ we have become the righteousness of God. And so we come and we take part in this meal to remind ourselves of that. Jesus' body was broken in our place. Jesus' blood was shed so ours doesn't have to be. He died so that we might live and live forever with him. So Father, we come as your children again today, repentant, confessing our sins that, that we've often failed to live out the identities of missionaries, but we come for grace and we come for more grace and you always give it to us and you put it right in our hands. And I pray that you would empower us through your spirit and send us out into our city so that we would act like who we are, your missionaries. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.